trending news right now trending topics what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours is what we are unpacking now here on sound awake joining us is our social commentator atlagang mulefe atlagang how are you i'm well thanks and how are you Asanda? i'm good thank you so much so Hashtag buns out. Let's go straight into it. That's what we're starting with today. So uh, media personality Maps Maponyane has opened a third buns out restaurant despite facing challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic. So some trips took off uh, showing their rapping skills and appreciation of this uh, as he opens a third store in Norwood. Um, it was so fun when it was trending on Twitter yesterday because people were though they were celebrating him a lot and they were also just trying to uh, make jokes about um, maybe creating an app for Mads or it was just banter the whole time and I think that was very interesting and it's also very impressive to see young people like Murps Maponyani actually um, like extending their business and the fact that now he has so many he's about he's about to open his third brand i think it was very interesting to also see the amount of support that he's received and to also just to see people um express themselves in that way because i think the banter was really interesting i mean he's a franchisor having created his own franchise that's big it really is big i'm not gonna lie it really is big especially like as someone who's very young it's in, in, in yeah. South Africa. I think Bands Out is growing and Bands Out is really nice. Even the treatment, the hospitality that you do receive there is really nice. Like you do feel like a human being and you do feel like a customer and it, the experience just makes you a happy customer. Yeah. So it really is nice. You know, marketing strategists would say if you are a public figure, maybe you shouldn't be known for running a business. The face shouldn't be attached to the business, the brands should be separate. In this case, it's worked for him for us to know that this is his, uh, you know, his 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 creation. That's true um, because they would say that, like, when your uh, business is attached to your name, then you um, people are more inclined to come to you. But I think that with Bands Out, even though that's the case, that we know it's owned by Merch Mopanyani, but I also think the experience and what keeps people going back to, 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 um, to the restaurant because of just how they're treated and because of just how you're able to enjoy your meal, even outside of it being owned by Merch Mopanyani, I think the experience and what keeps a person. Because imagine the alternative world could happen where you go to Bands Out and you don't receive the best treatment or like where you just don't like the place. And they would say bad things about him, and that will also affect his reputation. Mm. So I think that it's unfair then to want people to detach themselves from what they own or to now have separate identities of those things. So I think it's very impossible for that to happen because even in an alternative world, people would want to hold him to account. People would want him to say anything about the bad experience that they have received. So just because now the experience is nice and you're able to enjoy yourself at Bounce Out, I do think that we should not allow the two to, to, to exist separately. I think they can definitely exist as one. Yeah, and I mean, he's got a good brand. He's got a good head on his shoulders, I think. He's gone the professional route. We don't hear scandals about him. So even on the personal front, he, he passes as a respectable business person, I think. That's my view. That's true. I think his credibility does speak a lot about him. The fact that, like, um, even outside of what he does, maybe like besides owning a business, there isn't anything bad that we've heard about him. So I think he does have credibility as a businessman and um, he's doing really great for himself. 
And then he thanked his fans for their support through the lockdown, and, and that's great as well. Uh, let's take a short break, and then we'll move on to the next uh, topic, uh, talking NSFAS uh, at Lehang. Uh, this is Trending Topics here on Sound Awake. Sound Awake on SAFM, 3 to 5 a.m. We continue with our trending topic session with Atlehang Mulefe, our social commentator, looking at social media in the last 24 hours. So hashtag NSFAS, uh, new reports uh, coming there. The National Student Financial Aid Scheme coming under fire with social media users being angry over the cutting off of funding for postgraduate applications. We know there's also 440K uh, alleged ghost beneficiaries here. What's happening? Uh, so apparently, um, they have been paying for ghosts the whole time, and um, but also they have also cut down on funding on many students, and many students didn't really receive NSFAS this year. Um, they had mentioned that they don't have money. But I do think that it's very weird about how it happened, because you cannot say that you've been paying for ghost students, like as so many ghost students and spending so much money on those beneficiaries. So I do think that we definitely need to look into it because for the longest time, NSFAS has always had so many scams. If they're not sending lump sums to a student's bank account, they're not funding students because they don't have money, but also at the same time, you find that they've been funding people who don't even exist for that matter. So I do think that they, it's important for them to do background checks and check if a person really does exist because I'm sure there are so many students who are in need and so many students who didn't receive it. But it does to me sound more like corruption, like the literally someone pretended like there were so many students that they were funding when they weren't necessarily funding those students. So cutting down on, 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 on funding students now it's really not nice because imagine it's during a pandemic and you are very excited about starting university or you want to continue your studies, but you don't have funding for that. So I definitely do think that we need to look into it and also just create a framework around it because I think there's a lot of scamming um, and it's very easy for people to just manipulate the system, the NSR system, and you're manipulating the system at the cost of so many people being denied the opportunity to get an education. So I definitely don't like that part. Mm. Was maybe some of the oversight not due to the fact of the impact of COVID-19 where the academic year was, 2019, was disrupted and it meant that it was going to be extended, which meant that accommodation also needed to be extended for students. So then the the corruption could have easily happened because of that. Um, One, I think I'm not going to to blame it on that because I do think that um, the lack of oversight needs to be held to account because if oversight, it's oversight is important, especially when it comes to such instances because you can easily access a student's information and see if you are really paying for a person. You can literally just ask the university and see if the person is still a registered student and you have a system that's rolling to show that the person is still a student to show if a, the, and to also get access to a person's marks and all of those things. Mm. So I do think that the lack of oversight cannot be blamed on anything. But even if they had to extend um, people staying in rest or anything like that, um, when that situation happened, they were able to make arrangements with the rest people that, you know what, because uh, we've missed uh, just a couple of months, then it means that we need to stay for more months, right? Yeah. So I think even in those instances, they could have easily just checked if the person does exist because the fact that you get forms from the school and you have to sign them and you have to stand there for long queues and you have to do so many things, I think that the same system could have easily been used to ensure that they're not paying for guests 
for for ghost students, the ghost beneficiaries. So I do think that the lack of oversight is just like the usual thing of people just being comfortable and people being comfortable with the fact that they can now shift accountability, use the money for themselves, and then say that it is because of that that we weren't able to see, and that's the reason for the lack of oversight. So I think it's high time now that we create a framework and we hold them to account because they can't always shift accountability when it comes to that. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to hashtag Navitz Modak now. Uh, there was a court appearance of this alleged underworld kingpin and police minister Begitrele was there and he was making his comments stressing that there was no place for corrupt officers. So he attended the first court appearance of the two others arrested as well as Navitz uh, Modak in connection with an attempted hit on a prominent defense attorney, William Booth, in April last year. His appearance there, what does it mean? His appearance means, I think, two things to me mostly, because one, if he's going to say the fact that there isn't any time for uh, maybe corrupt officials or not necessarily being able to, and also talking about just holding um, gang people to account, Um, I definitely do think that it is important to have that conversation. But however, this has been a conversation that has been had for the longest time, but nothing really happens. Because he can speak on TV about it and he can say, we're going to end gang violence, or we're going to do this, we're going to protect society, we're going to ensure that um, justice is served, or anything like that. But that doesn't even happen at all. So I think for me personally, even his appearance at the court, um, though it meant that you have him at the court because of the position that he holds, but I do feel like it it really doesn't mean anything. But also, secondly, I think for uh, a kingpin or kingpin person, um, I do think that we shouldn't be giving the case so much credibility, so much relevance or anything like that. And because of how um, the existence of gangs just in general have largely affected a lot of individuals. So I do think that even if he's trying to make sure that justice um, comes to play, I don't really think that such situations should be given so much relevance or so much publicity. So, yeah. And the 39-year-old police officer who was attached to the SAPS's tactical response team and he was arrested there for sharing details of anti-gang unit operations with the underworld uh, figure. What what do we make of that? I mean, that's something we've heard of happening before because criminals can't really go on if they're not working with somebody who's on the inside. And here it is, what we see play out in movies, playing out in reality. Um, that is true because even with uh, gang violence, we hear all of the times that like these people are literally working with police officers. Like they have people supporting them, people who are largely going to protect them. So I think even when a police officer does disclose the information about how the operation goes, most times they never make it through. Like they, something bad happens to them, like they die or they get attacked or anything like that. Um, but I do think that it is important to make sure that we're able to protect them even in those instances. But I do think that even disclosing information should not come at the cost of sacrificing someone else's life. I do think that we should try to find a way to go about it because it cannot be that as a police officer, when you disclose information, you get killed, you get attacked. Mm. Um, I don't. I think even though your job requires that you be prepared to die at any time because you're patriotic and you're supporting your country, but I do think that we need to do something to also protect them. We shouldn't really just put their lives at risk just like that. There needs to be a way in which they can go about disclosing the information and not having to compromise their lives at the same time. 
Okay, finally, hashtag PGCE, so Twitter debating on whether, you know, this diploma should be defunded and people should rather be looking at uh, the Bachelor of Education graduates. So it was a, a case of some feeling that PGCE is a disrespect to people who studied a degree in education for four years. This speaks to, you know, how when we move forward in things, Atlehang, in, in technology and advancement of social life where Courses do seem to be getting shorter and shorter, and people are really discovering that there are so many other ways of getting education outside of the traditional way. Is it really something we should be fighting about or just adjusting our mentality on? I think we should be adjusting our mentality on it, to be honest, because it's similar to so many courses. Like if you go to a business school, a person doing a, a business administration for a year, or person, you know, and also getting a higher position, I do think that. We need to move away from that traditional thought because going to school, for, if we're being honest, in all the degrees, it takes so long. And sometimes we just really do feel like they could have found a way to put everything together and kept it moving. Because mm-hmm. even with um, staying that are doing a degree for four years, sure, we need to respect them for staying there for that long, doing practicals and everything and everything. But I do think that even someone who does a PGCE, someone who has a, an undergrad degree, and all they need now is to just to get to the system and understand how it works in the teaching department. Because you can't do a postgraduate certificate in education without having an undergrad degree. So I think, if anything, when you put them together, then a person would have also done a four years of university. You know, so I think in terms of equivalence-wise, it's the same. The only difference is that you started doing uh, teaching courses from first year, and the other person was just doing other courses in first year. So I don't really think that they, that's a bad thing, and I don't also don't think that they need to be defunded. I think what we need to do is we need to actually encourage people to do PGCE because I do see a lot of people going into PGCE. Um, mm. So I think that's what we need to do, and people need to adapt adapt to it and not necessarily say that they should be defunded because it's not a B.Ed. degree. Yeah. Okay, well, let's leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time, Atlerang. No problem. Thank you so much. Atlerang Malefe, our social commentator, talking trending topics. What's happened in social media in the last 24 hours? We're going to get into our wellness corner in just a bit.